type the word smart clothing into your internet search engine and you're likely to come up with about 8 million results. You'll find clothes that don't just cover your body, but measure your sweat levels, regulate your temperature, or are impregnated with chemicals to protect you from diseases like malaria. It seems modern, but it's not. I'm Liz Pearson, and in this week's Moments in Medicine, I'll be talking about the smart clothing that's been with us for centuries. Looking through my clothes, I see things to keep me warm and things to keep me cool, but nothing bought on the advice of a doctor. My medicines are in the medicine cabinet. Quite a different attitude to years gone by. If you look in the past, they had a clear appreciation of the importance of clothing as part of their health regime. Stephen King is Professor of Medical History at Oxford Brookes University. Clothing as medicine goes back to pre-Roman times. The Romans were very good on things like trusses to prevent and support ruptures, for instance. And the Egyptians too had very strong conceptions of clothing as medicine. The binding of infants' bodies in particular was seen as a way of preventing infection as opposed to causing infection. Thousands of years after the Egyptians, intervention was also used to shape children's bodies. As soon as a child came out of swaddling, the child was put into stays. Dr Lynn Sorge English from Dalhousie University in Canada is an expert in the use of stays or corsets, really as a kind of medicine. If they developed something like scoliosis, for example, they were put in stays which we now think of as orthopaedic stays, but in fact they thought of them more as a corrective measure. From the 17th century, a separate corset was a staple for both women and children, worn for aesthetic as well as orthopaedic reasons. I asked Lynn whether the use of stays meant that modern ways of sculpting our bodies, like diet and exercise, were ignored. Oh yes, and in fact stays completely transformed the body, particularly in the 18th century when stay-making tailors really had very little understanding of women's bodies where we think only of the beautiful proportions and the silhouette, we have to realize that the body underneath was transformed through wearing as many as five layers of fabric. And these were really solid, almost sculptural garments. Women wore stays for reasons of both health and beauty until the 1900s, when modern underwear was designed. And they wore them through every stage of their lives. Evidence for this comes from correspondence between doctors and patients. In this letter, Dr William St Clair, in 1792, is writing to a woman patient who's concerned about hot and cold flushes. She's actually pregnant, but, as was normal, she was still wearing her corsets. She was clearly worried about whether this was a good idea. As the doctor tells her... It's important that the stays are not tightly laced and you might, as you say, contact Hawkins the staymaker about taking them out. Stays were already, it seems, the source of some medical controversy. Doctors have this really clear appreciation that lacing too tight is incredibly bad for you. And in the 19th century, they have a campaign against the health impacts of corsets. What sorts of problems were these doctors seeing in women who were making themselves too thin with their corsets? When you lace yourself really very tightly into corsets, as you're supposed to do, your blood pressure drops by at least half. And so fainting fits are very common. Problem number two is, of course, that actually your digestive system is 
compressed. In the long term, if you wear it, it almost certainly leads to cancers of various sorts. William St Clair's letter to his worried pregnant patient contains other advice. He writes... You should wear a hat or a cap at all times to keep the heat balanced. And it's as important as the medicine itself that the air is allowed to circulate around you. I recommend light cloth, perhaps a camsy, and to avoid twills and velvets. For much of this period, they still understand medicine in terms of humoral theory. The body must have balance of hot and cold. It must have balance of dry and wet. And that balance is achieved by the way in which you live your life and by what you wear, by what you encase yourself in. I am sorry to trouble you after I had last promised to be resting on my own two feet, but this is to inform you that in consequence of the present distress of my family, I am obliged to make application to you for some little money for bedding and clothing, as it is quite out of my power at present to get without your assistance. This is a letter addressed to Mr Willis, the overseer of the Lancashire Parish of Hume. And it's a letter from a pauper, because if you are poor in 18th and 19th century England, you have no right to relief, except in a place where you were born or where you had something called a settlement. And if you're out of that settlement when you become poor or sick, you need to either go back there and obtain relief or you need to apply for it. You know, gentlemen, that that a man and his wife and two of the children cannot get well if they have not the clothing to keep out of the cold and the damp. For it's pointless to send money for bread or for the doctor without sending money for clothes, as you have done before. I ask you, gentlemen, to show humanity and to send us clothing we need. And if you do not, then my family must perish of sickness. And Dr. Koss saith that medicine without clothing is of the least effect. He is saying to give them medicine without giving them clothing is pointless. And that's what this letter is all about. And what happened to him, do we know? Uh, He died. His wife died, his children died, and he died. Not a story with a happy ending. Stephen King explains why the idea of clothing as a kind of cure was so vital. If we think about the medical system at this time, what they can't do is to cure the range of infectious or chronic diseases from tuberculosis through to typhus and typhoid before the 1860s, 1870s and indeed into the 20th century. So they look after themselves, what we call self-dosing. It's about herbal remedies. It's about avoidance of disease in the first place by wearing the proper clothing. And if you think about the late 20th, early 21st century, that is increasingly the case for antibiotics now. You can put them down your throat, but they're not going to help you. And so in many ways we go back to a 18th century model where medical knowledge is not as all-powerful as we have come to characterise it in the 20th century. In the 21st century, our self-dosing leads us increasingly online and, strangely, back to what we wear. My internet search threw up all sorts of ways to dose myself, including dresses woven with anti-eczema drugs or simply infused with vitamins. To Stephen King, these are oddly reminiscent of years gone by. If you take a look at the internet now, there are hundreds of companies, literally hundreds of them, selling 
clothing impregnated with of various medicines. Not one bit of it is new. You could, in the late 18th century, buy shirts which were infused with herbs like rosemary, and you could get them washed and pasted again. Silks were particularly important in this period because of the way in which, as a fibre, they almost act as a, as a slow-release mechanism. Hence, for instance, the silver thread shirt advertised in the 1740s. Some of the great rakes were wearing silver shirts, in effect, to help them combat the poor effects of their lifestyle. So slow-release clothing, how effective is it? How good for us is it to take in these things through the skin rather than orally? It is actually sensible to take things through the skin. Of course, it reduces side effects. And it gets, for instance, in things like skin cancer or eczema, right to the point of the problem right there. So clothing could become a more effective way of administering our medicine. Treating things like skin cancer, it could even save our lives which takes Lynn Sorge English back to an interesting side benefit of the corset. This comes from an old Bailey trial. There was a butcher, and he decided to do in his wife, and he was seen from the open door of his butcher shop trying to stab her, and he just couldn't do it. Finally, he broke off, actually, two blades of two different knives. It was revealed that the reason the knife hadn't gone into her body is because of the solid nature of her stays, and it was impossible for the knife to get through. Now, I think that says it all. It's unlikely that the corset will make a big comeback, even as body armour. But when tried and tested remedies meet the marketing power of the internet, it seems the future of medicine, especially that that we choose for ourselves, will involve smart clothing. (laughs) 